0: Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah. This is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face to face. I'm your host, Sean McCraney, and this is my dear friend, Sean. Now, um, every Sunday at campus, we gather, Sean comes up to the Bible study. I want to tell you a little bit about him. Sean was born with cerebral palsy, but uh, so his ability to communicate and some of his uh, motor skills are, uh, have been diminished. But nevertheless, he spends his days either down at the uh, uh, mission in Salt Lake, and then he goes out and he, uh, he shares uh, gospel tracts and the word of God with people, usually at the gateway. Usually at the gateway. And, and so... Uh, I love this man, he is a champion of my book, this is a microphone, and so I said, is there anything that you'd like to share? He's very nervous, he didn't wanna do this, but he's here visiting with Kevin Bradford, and so I'm gonna hold the microphone up, and you just take your time, and whatever you wanna share, my brother, you share it.
1: Um, I just want to just it's good. good. I'm every one that, um, yeah, it's, it's all about yeah. um the okay. Lord. What did I do? No, you got it, but you got it. It's all Jesus
0: and um
1: Jesus and, uh, Jesus and uh, this one just saying to the people that. Um, we we have to be born again. It says in the Bible. Um, um, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And and then it's. Jesus Jesus says, um, um, I'm the doorway to heaven, so it's very, very important that we, we rest in the Lord with all of our heart. We shouldn't be leaning on our own understanding, and and that we have to have that um, personal relationship with Jesus to get to the Father. Amen. Says John um, 14, 6, um, Jesus was talking and he says, I am the way, the, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except, except through him. So I'm um, this thing I love I love um, people and I I just don't want to see them to go to it hell so this and. By the Lord into your heart. Amen.
0: Amen. Great job, my brother. This this man is a man of courage. He goes out on that. He's the one who taught me, uh, hey, a church didn't come down and die for you. Jesus did. He's the one who taught me that. So I love you, brother. Thank you for being on. All right. Okay, uh, we praise the true and living God for allowing us to be part of his ministry. We pray that uh, he will be with you tonight. We meet every week for church at campus. Uh, Campus stands for Christian Anarchists, Meeting to Prayerfully Understand Scripture. Why Christian Anarchy? Because we believe there needs to be a serious deconstruction of how uh, many, not all, but many churches are done today. Uh, And uh, a Christian anarchist is nothing more than a Christian, Uh, a devoted follower of the king. And not of modern-day Christian dumb. Uh, so join us if you want. Two things about campus lately: we are going to uh, be uh, having a youth group that's going to start up June 3rd at night, seven to nine. But we are also going to have a begin a women's Bible study Monday nights, beginning uh, June 11th at the Denny's restaurant at 250 West 500 South in Salt Lake City, Utah. Now, we will always have a male uh, believer there uh, to protect you from coming in and out of the parking lot, etc. since it's at night and it's downtown. Uh, but the class will be taught by a seasoned teacher. She's very good. And we think that it'll be a wonderful opportunity to learn the basics uh, construction of the Bible, and then about what uh, it contains thereafter. So do yourself a favor, ladies. If you don't know the Bible, if you want to learn the Bible, start from the ground floor. Uh, join uh, them for an denominational Bible study uh, just for women Monday nights beginning June 11th from 7 to 9 at the Salt Lake City Denny's Restaurant. Go to www.campus.com for more information. Okay, we want to let you know about our summer promo- promotion of Alethea products. Uh, which we're doing so that we can get more information out to more people and um, and their friends and family. Uh, We are at war with a multi-billion dollar uh, multinational religious marketing machine and the only thing we have is information. And so we have some uh, uh, products to tell you about and what we're gonna do is we're gonna offer them to anybody and everybody at a discounted price. Now the total value of these products uh, retail is about $100. So if you ordered them individually from us, it costs you about 100 bucks. Uh, the first one is we're doing the new book, normally about 28 bucks. Uh, Mormonism A to Z. We're offering that, this one. And then we're offering my favorite, If My Kingdom was of This World, Then My Servants Would Fight. And then we're offering I Was a Born Again Mormon. So three books. We're offering uh, a Mormon president, Joseph Smith, and the Mormon quest for the White House. Uh, this DVD uh, we're offering as well. And then finally, we're offering, uh, in his words, this is the music that we use at campus. It's 17, whoop, 17 uh, scriptures put to music. It helps with memorization and worship. All of those five products, um, we're offering to you a $50 donation uh, or more, but $50 donation. Uh, that would save you a tremendous amount of money. It would make the ministry some money and it gets out what we feel is a lot of good information out to people. If you don't want it for yourself, of course you give it to family and friends. If you're interested in this, you can go to our website at www.hotm.tv. Check out the store. You'll see the offer there. And uh, so that's how you do it. We're just letting you know. How about a moment from the word? Can they hear me? all right we uh, left off in john chapter 5 the chapter ends with jesus saying something insightful to the jews about moses in verse 45 he said do not think that i will accuse you to the father meaning i'll confess you to the father or accuse you there before him there is one that accuses you even moses in whom you trust For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But you believed not his writings, how shall you believe my words? Now, there's a lot of information there that we could cover, uh, but there's just one point I want to focus on relative to the Mormon Christian debate. And that is the purpose of prophets like unto Moses. Last week we read a few verses where Jesus said, search the scriptures to the Jews, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they testify of me. So he says, go look, you'll find me when you search those scriptures. And here the Lord is essentially saying the same thing. He says, if you had believed Moses when you read about him in scripture, you would have believed me for he wrote of me. Uh, The purpose and point of prophets of old were to testify of the characteristics and uh, events surrounding the coming of the Messiah. And all of these prophets uh, fulfilled their purpose in testifying of him. Moses, who wrote the Tanakh, and Samuel, and David, and Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Hosea, and the like. All of these prophets uh, were testifying of the Messiah to come. Then when Jesus came, actually, he chose 12 disciples... And their job was to witness everything that he did. And then they would write and testify of the things he did. But primarily they would testify that he rose from the grave and ascended into heaven. And so um, all of these witnesses provide the foundation which point to Jesus Christ as the Messiah. The Old Testament uh, being the prophets who prophesied of his coming and that was part of the foundation. And then the New Testament, the 12 apostles witnessing the things he did, his resurrection, and then testifying of that, uh, offering that as a foundation. And so the imagery Paul makes in Ephesians uh, 2, 19 through 20 is really good because he says, speaking to Gentiles, now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but your fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And listen to how he describes the church. And are built upon the foundation of apostles, the witnesses of Christ at the time of his life, and prophets, Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are builded together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit, So what he's saying there is it's believers are built on this foundation of apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. It's believers who build up and they make the temple of God and who the Holy Spirit dwells in. It's not temples made with hands cut out of stone that that dot the land. It's not a temple on Mount Moriah. It's, hey, the Gentiles now have been accepted into the household of God and the church is built upon this foundation which can't be removed. So when talking about the LDS say, hey, we have a prophet like unto Moses. They neglect to remember Hebrews 1 uh, one through 2. God, who at different times and in different ways spoke unto our fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his son. In the face of passages like this and many, many others in scripture, we can safely uh, say that the Mormon purview on prophets is completely false and they have instituted an Old Testament theme which doesn't apply at all to what happens in the New. All right, before we go to prayer, last week we reported a recent study of religious growth in America that stated in 2000 Mormonism grew by 45% with uh, Islam growing 65%. Uh, this percentage about Mormonism was completely incorrect. Uh, the Salt Lake Tribune uh, reporter uh, Peggy Fletcher Stack wrote, quote, if you suspected the newly released U.S. religious census overstated the LDS church's growth rate, you were right. That's because this time around the Utah-based faith changed the way it reported its membership to the researchers. Uh, LDS church spokesman Scott Trotter acknowledged that in years past, LDS membership figures reported to the census researchers that they were understated. So what they did in years past, they understated how many members they had. So then when they compared the understated numbers that they had in 2000 to the... uh, Number of people baptized in 2010, it looked like this remarkable increase of 45%. When they refigured it, it was still 18% higher than any other Christian denomination or or any other church. I shouldn't say Christian denomination in America, but still, it superseded it. Uh, the LDS spokesman said, "For those years, the LDS Church left out members, uh, uh, left out numbers of members who, although baptized," We're not currently associated with the denomination, uh, with the congregation. So what they did was, simply put, they included anybody who's ever been baptized in their 2010 report. And so uh, it didn't matter where they were active, didn't matter where they were going to church. If they were baptized at 8 and they're now 60 and still alive, they were included, and that helped uh, bring their numbers to where they were. So the lesson in it, abandon ship. Get your name off there and show them, hey, look, it, you're, you're, we're going to give you some real numbers to look at now. We're going to take our name off that because they say they do remove them if you ask your name to be removed, if you're excommunicated, uh, and so they'll do that for you. What's really intriguing, however, about the census uh, study was the fact that um, Islam did grow by 61% and Mormonism was the second runner-up. We uh, suggest viewers go back to the 192nd show, which was done in November of 2009. And you can see a program we did comparing the uh, things of Mormonism and Islam. But one of our viewers, Chris, recently sent an email pointing out some of the uh, similarities that are worthy uh, of mentioning tonight. Depending on how you count it, there's at least 19 notable similarities between Islam and Mormonism, almost as if he says they come from the same spirit. Here are some of them. We're going to show you on screen if it works. Uh, They both forbid consuming alcohol. Both embrace multiple heavens where Jesus is an overseer and he is not in the highest. According to the Muslim hadiths, Jesus is is in the second of seven heavens. And according to Mormon scriptures, Jesus will reign in the second of three heavens. Both endorse polygamy. Joseph Smith actually had around 30 more wives than Muhammad did. And by the way, Osama bin Laden, when he was killed, left five wives behind. Both afterlife views include sex in the glories in Islam in paradise, and in Mormonism in the celestial kingdom, and polygamous sex is also included in both of the tenets of their faiths. Both were founded or reinstituted in the view of their believers by one prophet, who was both a religious and political leader, who was supposedly foretold of in the Bible, who failed to appoint a successor and did not raise a son up to fill his shoes. Both claim a final or new dispensation of prophecy that extends beyond the authority of the Bible, the founding prophet being the focal point of this prophecy. Muslims revere Muhammad as the prophet, Mormons revere Joseph Smith as the prophet. Both claim that the Bible have been significantly altered and or corrupted, resulting in the loss of many things and the need for a different book or books. Both claim to know that uh, that the original, incorrupt Bible, where it was lacking and what needed to be filled in, both of them claim that. Both focus on the fact that there are many lost books not included in the Bible. Both reference writings that Christianity does not possess, from supposedly Abraham and from Moses, both of them. And both claim that people will lose power in their respective lands and nations if they act unrighteously. Therefore, one of the stances they make about the value of their church is how righteous their members are. That's why they don't drink alcohol, and that's why there's fundamental uh, approaches to the religion. Both possess extra-biblical books. Of course, Islam has the Quran. Mormonism has three standard books full of verbosity, uh, uh, over-repetition, and both have books they call the most correct book on the face of the earth. Mormons call the Book of Mormon. Uh, Islam calls the Quran The most correct book. It's right in the preface. I have one, and it says it. Both Muslims and Mormons are guilty of a thing called abrogation, which means adding, removing, or otherwise altering their own beliefs or tenets or scripture, especially to fit changing political times. Both revise their history to meet new objectives. Notably, Islam teaches that all biblical prophets were Muslim and Mormonism teaches that all biblical prophets were Mormon. Both assume at the end of the day justification before Almighty God God, by and through righteous works and holy living. Both invalidate the Lord's finished work on the cross as the only efficacious sacrifice for sins, therefore diminishing Christ again. Both appeal and respect the supernaturalization of the natural world by welcoming heavenly messengers to come and into the realm of acquiring divine truth. And that these heavenly messengers can convey these things. Joseph related to an angel he said his name was Moroni, uh, Muhammad related to uh, an angel named Gabriel. Both believe in a form of what is called reversion. Mo- uh, Muslims believe that all human beings are by nature Muslim. And so the conversion of a non-Muslim is called reversion. Similarly, reverting to a pre-existent state, Mormonism believes that all people have a knowledge of the truth of their gospel, and therefore it's like uh, when someone becomes a Latter-day Saint, they are receiving back what they once knew to be true. And then finally, both embrace temples, with Islam having sites in Jerusalem and the qibla of Saudi Arabia and Mormons having them all the land all over the world. These are just a few of the similarities. It's gonna be very interesting to see how these two meld into one another uh, over the years to come and uh, to an applauding world, I'm sure. Uh, With that, let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we we seek you and we thank you. We pray for your uh, spirit and and, uh, your help on the program tonight. We're having technical difficulties. We pray that we'll be able to reach people with a message, whether here the archives, uh, streaming, or whatever means it comes across. We pray for our audience members wherever they are uh, and uh, those people who may come back and watch later. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, 5,000 books of the uh, Book of Mormon have been printed. They went on sale of March of 1830. The next month, Joseph Smith formally organized his church. Remember, this was the mindset of the Smith family before Joseph was born, that the Smith family was going to bring the true church of Jesus Christ back to the earth in a form of a religious uh, application called Restorationism, which Joseph's grandfather, father, Joseph, totally believed in. Once the Book of Mormon was printed, they had uh, a distinguishing volume of scripture which set them apart from Bible-toting Christians around the world, and this religion was truly a new American religion. Within a couple of months, there were about 30 members of this church. For those of you who will call and send us uh, emails, LDS primarily, who smugly question how I make my living, Uh, how I've made it and how I make it today, Uh, you might be interested to know that shortly after Joseph Smith established uh, his Mormon church, he received a very convenient revelation. In chapter 5, verses 14 of the Book of Commandments, which would become uh, the Doctrine and Covenants, Joseph received a revelation from God pertaining to himself, which said, The church, which is in Colville, Fayette, and Manchester, shall support thee. And in temporal labors thou shalt not have strength, for this is not thy calling. So he established the church and immediately got the revelation, the church in these places is to support you, okay? Immediately, Joseph sent men out to convert people to his flock. He realized uh, very well that the more people who came in, the better chances he would have that this revelation from God would be fulfilled. Having started a ministry and now a church, I can tell you from firsthand experience, there's two general ways um, or models to financially survive in the world of religious proliferation. You can trust the Lord. You can say, this is who we are. This is what we do. We trust the Lord is going to help us stay alive. Or you can create a business model that requires extensive marketing, recruiting, and placing demands on the flock to keep the ship afloat. You decide which model Joseph embraced from the get-go. Wait till you hear about uh, the communal living that he demanded and the prophecies and the revelations God told him where people had to give all of their property and all of their goods to the church, and then they would dole it back out to the people who joined. Anyway, in an early recruiting trip, Oliver Cowdery and a convert named Parley Pratt were put together. Pratt was a former Campbellite, a religious reformation movement formed by a man named Alexander Campbell. Now remember this name, Alexander Campbell, because many of his teachings, which were around years before Joseph Smith was even born, and his father, they somehow found their way into the text of the Book of Mormon. So when we open up the Book of Mormon, we will point out the Alexander Campbell's teachings that found their way in there. These teachings or positions formed the beliefs of this popular religious movement called the Restorationist Movement, meaning it it was trying to restore back the things that they believed were lost from Christ's original church. LDS historian Richard L. Bushman in a comparison between the preaching of Alexander Campbell and early Mormonism lists many common doctrines, practices, and beliefs between them. These included, and we're gonna give you a list on the, on the screen, the rejection of paid clergy, titles, and denominationalism, harmony between science and religion, dedication to missionary zeal, a rejection of Calvinistic theology, a church using only the name of Jesus Christ in their title and none other, a belief that God's kingdom was to be established in America, a process known as Zion building, the rejection of all historic Christian creeds, belief in an apostasy and the need for greater reformation, a faith and works doctrine of salvation, focus on sequential acts that lead to salvation, a frontier-based spirit of reliance, the Restitution of Tithing, Harmony... Be- oh, I already wrote that. I already wrote, uh, said those last three. So we'll see that all of these are present in our analysis of the Book of Mormon. We're going we're gonna to go through and show how those are there. Anyway, Parley Pratt, who was a, a Campbellite restorationist, takes Oliver Cowdery uh, out on this recruiting trip to bring in new members. And they, he says, let's go visit this place called Mentor, Ohio. And it is here that Oliver Cowdery supposedly quote-unquote, supposedly, met a man named Sidney Rigdon for the first time. Now, I say supposedly because there are a whole bunch of theories out there that say that Joseph knew Sidney Rigdon personally while he was creating the Book of Mormon. And Sidney Rigdon, a disciple of... Uh, of um, yes, Alexander Campbell... That Joseph learned from Sidney Rigdon the things that should be included in the Book of Mormon and he included them. But church history and church people say no, they never knew each other. I, I don't know what the truth is. We can't really tell because the model that says they knew each other and that Joseph borrowed from him is all up to conjecture and conjecture is not a good way to establish some facts, so I don't even touch it on this thing, but there are entire books written about how Joseph took it from Sidney Rigdon. It's interesting that once, uh, well, let me just keep telling you what happened, and we'll go from there. But when you listen to a Mormon tell the story, it seems that Sidney Rigdon had become disillusioned with Alexander Campbell and his restoration movement, and when he met Oliver Cowdery, he became intrigued with the story about this new book of scripture and the church that sprung from, sprang up from its uh, golden loins. And so floating around the air uh, of America at that time also was a millennialist movement. And, and that means prepare for the millennium because it's coming. They were millennialists and Mormonism was strictly millenni- millennialist in nature so was Campbell's um, restorationist movement. And so when Oliver Cowdery introduced Sidney Rigdon to Joseph Smith, there was like this meeting of the minds. There was this idea, to Joseph Smith's teachings, there was this idea, hey, I really like this. And it's because Sidney Rigdon had already been preaching all the things that were included in the early Mormonism and the Book of Mormon. Long story short, and according to the LDS, Sidney Rigdon was so impressed with what Oliver Cowdery told him, and the new religion, he left preaching for Alexander Campbell, and he joined the Mormon Church, and then he converted his own congregation, which was in a place called Kirtland, Ohio. He converted all of his congregation to Mormonism, okay? While Oliver Cowdery was out stomping around there and talking to Rigdon, Joseph Smith is back in New York, the Book of Mormon's published, he started his new church. But the citizens of Palmyra were not happy that this guy, Joe Joe Smith they called him, is starting a church now off this book that he wrote. He had no respect from them, and so most of the people early converts to Mormonism came from the southern part of New York and not from where Joseph was from. But even in the southern part of New York he had no respect because he had been brought to trial twice there for being a glass looker, pretending to see buried treasure and convincing people to pay him for that gift. And he was convicted of that in the southern part of New York. And so in the southern part or in where he grew up, he was not having a lot of success bringing people in. Long story short, Sidney Rigdon came out and visited Joseph Smith. And he said, listen, uh, come out to uh, Kirtland, Ohio. Move your church out to Kirtland, Ohio. We have a whole congregation, first of all, that believes in what you're doing. And Joseph probably said, well, you know, I have such a bad reputation here. Why not do it? And so there was an exodus. And it happened only nine months after Joseph formed the church in New York. He took his copies of the Book of Mormon, put them in a covered wagon, and said, we're out of New York, never look back. Left town. Jim Jones did this three times in his movement of the Jonestown uh, people, the, the temple's people. He moved them several times to get away from the reputation he was establishing in the places he was before. Cult people do this all the time. Okay, and so um, Joseph and his new church then forms in Kirtland, and that is a whole history we're gonna leave right now. Now from this point forward, starting next week, we're going back to that Book of Mormon. This is the whole thing, of, and we're gonna get into the pages and talk about the themes and everything else. Let's open up the phone lines, 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20, first time callers only, LDS callers only. We have a lot of material tonight, and unless we get LDS callers who are first-time, we're not going to take them. And we do not screen out people who have tough questions or who are intelligent. Give us the hardest you've got. Give us your profit. Give us anybody. But they've got to be LDS, and they've got to be first-time callers. Our ability to remain a viable ministry uh, to the LDS is directly related to your support. Take a look at this. We have Michael calling from Sweden. Michael, you're on Heart of the Matter hey sean my hero (laughs) i'm calling
2: from sweden and um i just wanted to say i'm on a crusade brother um watched every one of your shows our whole family with it's like our entertainment as well because you make it so funny um we turned in our letter to our bishop just last friday took a picture of him i'm going to send it to you uh we had a great debate with him and his wife and It always stumps people whenever I ask people now, uh, did God ever sin? I said, be careful what you answer, because he lives. Um, But I just wanted to say that we left the church last Friday, turned in our letter. Prior to that, we had been searching for about a month. Um, I ran into the Internet, saw Heart of the Matter, thought this is kind of a crazy show but I was doing a lot of research because the, the whole thing about the church that stumped me was grace. Each time I'd get up and bear my testimony, I'd always give up my testimony about Jesus Christ and how he loves us. Uh, in Sunday school and priesthood meetings, I'd talk about Jesus and his love, and my wife would always tell me that people always criticized me for doing that. It's like, I don't know what to say, but talk about Jesus. I think it's always been in my heart, but we've been a Mormon. Well, me, I've been a Mormon for 41 years, and my wife's been for 38 years. We have eight kids that have all been born in the covenant, went on my mission here in Sweden, and uh, have had various callings as well. The latest as the young Men president, and um, we live in Sweden now, and I think it's been really a lot easier for us to get out of Mormonism due to the fact that we live in Sweden, where It's not predominant
0: Mormon here. Michael. But, yeah. Hey, tell the audience, will you? You were LDS 41 years, eight children, born in the covenant, callings, get up in testimony meeting. What is the difference between Mormon thinking on grace and what you have discovered as a couple and as a family?
2: Well, you know, the whole thing with grace and Mormonism is, is that... We're right and everyone else is wrong. Uh, I keep thinking of the Book of Mormon scripture where there's only two churches, and it's the Church of the Lamb and Church of the of Satan. And I remember asking that when we had the stake president in um, one of our uh, priesthood meetings, Um, and he basically just said, "Hey, my wife's got to go to work. She just wants to say she loves you, Sean.
0: Tell her, love her too." Thank you
2: Sean thank you for everything I love you ma'am
0: thank you too
2: love you too okay I'm back um, it, it just stunts me because I ask well what about all the other Christian good-hearted people what about them and and the, the story you always get they'll have their chance in the next life in the in the spirit world
1: yeah
2: and I can't accept that answer because my fellow man are all good Christians and I just have too much love. And I know God loves us too much than to have it be that you, the only way to him is through baptism in the LDS church.
0: Praise God, Michael. Are you going to a Christian church now? Yeah, actually we, uh, it's kind of funny because
2: we're, we're following your line, non-denominational born again Christians. Um, but they don't really have, that here in sweden so we're going to something called the Pink's sheer um... which is you know pretty much as clean as you can get Good. we do a lot of bible study at home now because i'm looking, looking a lot to you know teaching the kids the truth and that's why we watch a lot of your shows to help deprogram the kids from all the praise to the man and glory to the prophet and oh, it just makes me so sick when i think about it nowadays all the statues that they have in conference center everything is about the prophets, and I tried to do a lot of the teachings that you said as well uh, when I was talking to the bishop on Friday, turning in our letter, and, you know, it's it always goes back to the testimony, the testimony, yeah. and I tried to tell him, well, you know what, it's just like a Muslim, and you know what, what about if I get a testimony that, um, let's say I'm, I'm living with someone and we're not married and I get a feeling that it's right? What do you use to to use against me that it's wrong? Well, the laws. Okay. Well, what we have is we have the Bible. So, you know. Anyway, there's so much I want to say, and I know I don't have a bunch of time yet. But I hope um... I contacted Daryl, and uh, he said he'd love to do an interview with us. The yeah. only problem is that we can't come to Salt Lake. So. I'm, I'm going to see if there's some other way of maybe doing a recording or something like that.
0: Well, set it up, my brother. You're in our prayers. God bless you. And thank you for taking the time and expense to call all the way from Sweden.
2: Hey, thank you very much, Sean. And I'm on a crusade here. So
0: Good. to get to know you. I look, look forward to meeting <laughs> you. That's the most important thing. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. God bless. Bye-bye. We have John in Washington, who is LDS. I'm assuming it's Washington State. John, you're on the air. Yes. How are you doing? How you doing, John? Oh, fine. Uh, and you?
3: I'm doing well. Good, 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 good. I, I was having to be watching a couple of your past programs and stuff like that. Uh, are you... Hold uh, wait. Yeah. Oh, the the one last week, I think. You know, I think it was pretty neat what you told the guy about, uh, you know, your experience on your mission and stuff like that.
0: You thought it was neat? Yeah,
3: I mean, it's pretty neat. You know, how you did and how you changed and stuff. But, um... Oh, and what, the time before that, uh, the State of the Union one, that was, you know, you you said you mailed out some books to different pastors at different churches, right? Yeah, a hundred. A <clears throat> hundred, oh, okay. And you only got one response back? We
0: got a thank you card back.
3: Oh, okay, just one, huh? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you got to remember that, uh, you know, remember what happened to, uh, I don't know, are you, you've, uh, in history... What happened with Martin Luther, and uh, you know when he said, "Hey, look, I got a fantastic idea for not for religion, but how to reform it and stuff like that," and the Jews didn't accept him, so he got mad at them. So don't don't feel too bad. All right. And uh, you know your your <laughs> now your analogy on the two houses, you know the yeah one drunkard, the one thing, it almost makes me want to go out and drink some beer. Well, go have one on me. Yes, well, okay, I'll see what I can do, but uh, it's
0: just funny and odd. All right. I might pass along to you, and uh, you take care, okay? You too, John. Thanks for the call. Yeah, bye. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, listen, uh, there was an article years ago, uh, maybe seven years ago, maybe six, uh, a man named Richard Mao, president of Fuller Theological Seminary, was invited to introduce Ravi Zacharias in the LDS Tabernacle. When he did that, he said something to the effect, this is not a quote, because I don't have the quote with me, but the the evangelical church needs to apologize to the Mormons uh, for the way they have treated them. We need to celebrate, again, a a paraphrase, Joseph Smith's birthday. Now, uh, Mal has come out with a a new book, and it's called uh, Talking with Mormons, and I guess because he has a PhD and he's the president of a a, a theological seminary, uh, he knows how to talk to them. And... uh, It's really interesting. It says, Mao spells out the doctrinal differences between the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and historical Christian faiths. The nature of God and Jesus, the nature of the Trinity, non-biblical Mormon scriptures, and rejections of the creeds. It says, he rejects these positions. It says, yet the fuller president also grapples with what to think about Mormon founder Joseph Smith. Evangelicals generally view Smith as either, either a lunatic or a liar but neither category adequately explains to Mao, listen, how Smith could launch a movement that produced so many good people who share so many of his values. And uh, he says, um, he recognizes the positive workings of God beyond the borders of Orthodox Christianity. Well, we accept that. We accept God works with all people all the time. He loves them all equally. And he's calling and working with the atheists and the, and the Mormons and everybody all the time. Us, everybody, right? We agree with that. Such respect, he believes, is the beginning of a careful engagement uh, with other religious perspectives. Besides, um, and then they talk about uh, uh, Richard Bushman and uh, Bushman talking about how uh, Mitt Romney, who's a Mormon, spoke at Jerry Falwell's Liberty University as hopeful signs. And, and he gets other endorsements, Richard Mao. But the thing that really troubles me is that, Rouse, that Mao says, I don't know how to explain Joseph Smith in light of the fact of all the good people Mormonism has produced. I got a couple comments on that. What about all the bad people it produced? I mean, there's good ones, but there's bad ones too, Mao, Chairman Mao. Secondly, uh, President, what does good people have to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ and salvation by and through him and him alone, the author and finisher of our faith? I mean, you're a scholar. Don't you realize your works are filthy rags? and you're impressed by the good works? Look at Islam. I lived in Sri Lanka for a number of months, and I met so many wonderful Islamic families who would feed me and sit and talk with me. Do you know, Jesus, we don't care. We think he was a prophet, but he is not. I mean, Muhammad. I mean, same thing, Mao. I mean, how do you reconcile? It's just a good program. I mean, it's unbelievable that this stuff hits the press. And guys like Mao are put up in front of people, and they, even with all their education, don't know what they're talking about when it comes to Mormonism. It is entirely frustrating, as you can see. uh, I am. Uh, Do we have a call? All right, I'm not going to read those things. This is from Amelia. I found your show through my dad. I turned my letter of resignation at LDS Church today. I've not been active since my teens. So resigning was a long time coming. I'm struggling with what to do now. Uh, I am thinking I will read the New Testament again. What do you suggest? First, go to a Bible teaching church, Amelia. Find one in your neighborhood. Go and hear the word taught. Read the word like you say you want to do. Start in the book of John. Get a, a King James, New King James. You ask me what kind I like. I like those two. There's others out there. Uh, you can go to any Christian bookstore. If you email us, we'll send you a Bible uh, for free. And just start reading the word. It's going to be the word going in to your eyes and to your ears and to your heart. That's going to get all the junk out. And the more that goes in, the more junk that comes out. The less of the word that goes in, the more of Mormonism will stay within you. From Andy, did Christ differentiate between sin? I have been reading and I need a little help. Uh, the Lord differentiated between the punishment for sin. He said those who do this will be beaten with a few stripes. Those who do that will be beaten with more. So the punishment for sin, he certainly differentiated between the two. But likewise, uh, he makes any and all sin, sin of any kind enough to keep somebody from heaven if it hasn't been, uh, re- the payment hasn't been received by faith. In Him, and so He does both, and and I could articulate that through Matthew if you wanted to. But He does both. He says, "Yeah, there's some sins, and there's a difference in them in their punishment, but in terms of what will keep you out of heaven, hey, you have to be at least as righteous as the Pharisees to see the kingdom of heaven." That was the comparison that He made. Uh, we have an email. Oh wait, we have Kevin from Murray, first-time caller. LDS, Kevin, you're on Heart of the Matter.
3: Yeah, Sean, been uh, listening to you a little while. I really enjoy you. Getting worked up. I enjoy your show. But, Thanks, Kevin. Uh, I just wanted to... I'm a return missionary. I quit the church uh, right after I got back. haven't gone to any other church, but uh, I listened a couple of shows ago about uh, the priesthood, and it made me look back about laying on a hands, and I think of how uh, almost sinister I feel uh, talking in the Lord's name when I, you know, I'm not uh, qualified and taking on his power. And uh, I just get a sick feeling, but I like listening to your show and uh, I'm learning a lot. So,
0: Hey, Kevin, (laughs) Kevin, what are you doing now in your life, religious life? Listening to your show. Well, is, is there any way that uh, you could step out of that, uh, the area of Murray or go to Murray and find out, you know, go to Calvary Chapel, Salt Lake City, or come up and join us at campus or go to one of the churches around there that teaches the Bible, sit in the back row and to see what's going on there?
3: Yeah, I'm going to get up and see you.
0: Good. I'd love to meet you, my friend. I look forward to it.
3: Okay. I'll Thank watch you. you.
0: Thanks for watching, Kevin. Yeah. God bless. Bye-bye. I think that's all he wanted to say. Uh, Vicky in Texas says, "I was watching one of your video clips, and I thought I need to ask you two questions. First, when was the last time you asked the Lord to forgive your sins?" That was her first question. Uh, I ask the Lord to forgive my sins daily, but the sins I ask Him to forgive me for are not the uh, the culmination of the uh, mistakes and errors and transgressions that I make. They are the sin of failing to believe in him, lacking faith, and the sin of failing to love the Lord thy God with all my heart and to love my neighbor as myself. Uh, Martin Luther gave a really good example. He says, a doctor doesn't need to examine every single smallpox to realize a person has smallpox. It's endemic to the whole body. If it's covered, you look at one pustule, you know that, they're sin- you know that they have smallpox. And it's the same way with sin. You don't go and try to fix them one by one here. You go and you realize what the commandment is to the Christian is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to love God and neighbor as yourself. And see, here's the, here's the problem, is when a Christian sins, they commit adultery, they, they, they look at porn, they get drunken, brawl, uh, they lie, they steal, whatever it is. When a Christian does that, the reason a Christian, saved Christian does that is because they have not believed in the Lord God to be the one to solve the problem. So they got drunk to solve their problem instead of letting the Lord handle the problem. Or they went off and did something stupid instead of trusting the Lord. So we repent for not believing. And then we, if we go and we do something horrible, and it's usually going to be against, it's always going to be against God and against our fellow man, then we repent of not loving the Lord thy God with all of our heart and our neighbor as ourself. And those, those are the two great commandments, you see. Now, many Christians believe, well, I've got, okay, today I flipped off the guy in the car. Okay. Oh Lord, help me not flip off the guy in the car. And then they, well, what if you forgot about the girl that you went mad to? I mean, it's impossible. And that puts you under a bondage. And so what you got to do is look at the whole scope. And when you approach God that way, what happens is he cures the whole body. And then pretty soon you don't flip the guy off as much because you're trying to learn to love and believe in the Lord. And that's what scripture teaches contextually. I'll go nose to nose with anybody who wants to say otherwise. Okay, also she says, can you name three positive things about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Absolutely not. I cannot name one positive thing about the LDS Church. Why? Because of Jesus' uh, teaching about the, the trees and the fruit. He said, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. It's either all bad fruit or it's all good fruit, you see? And so when we look at the LDS church, no matter what seems or appears to be a really beneficial practice or thing, and they give a lot of money to this, or they serve the poor here, they send this, all that stuff, it comes from a bad tree. And therefore, people who eat it, even though it might satisfy them for a minute, in about a year or 10 years or in eternities, they're going to be vomiting because it's bad fruit. So I cannot name one single thing. Now I know, this is radical for people. Oh, come on, they do so much good. Good means nothing if the eternal end is gonna lead to people not knowing the Lord. And you've gotta understand the differentiation and how the Bible points that out. We're gonna go to Fina and Sandy, she's LDS. Line two, Fina. Call back, Fina. Okay. Um, Mark asks, Do you really believe that stuff you preach on TV about Jesus? Um, I am fully sold out to my only uh, true and living King. I uh, adore Him. I love Him. I love God. I seek God. I want to be faithful and loving towards God and then my neighbors. And the only reason... Um, Mark, I'm this way, is because of him. Because I realized what he did for me when I did not deserve one ounce of his help or favor. And he did it for me because he loved me and he loves you and he loves every single person and he gave his life for the sins of this world. And I am so honored to know this God that I am sold out and, and I will do this as long as I am physically capable to do, to share him and him alone as the solution to this world's ills and, and, to, this, and to the individual's suffering. Jaybirds asks, is Christianity a religion? Did man make it? Uh, Christianity uh, is God's singular solution to saving uh, lost humanity. Christianity is God's solution for saving uh, humanity, lost to sin and darkness. Christendom is a man-made entity. It's taken Christianity, the solution, and it's turned it into a whole bunch of other things, and it has done this since the going all the way back to the Gnostics, to the Crusades, to the uh, Catholic Church uh, and the things that have gone wrong with that, to all the problems down through history, to the moral majority in the 1970s with Jerry Falwell, to try to reform America through uh, all this stuff. All of that is Christian dumb. Christian dumb. But Christianity, now that, let me tell you something, that is not man made. That comes from him directly. And it's the most beautiful uh, thing, the most beautiful gift to understand and embrace. So there might be the difference. Uh, Okay, we have somebody on one, nope. Okay, what else do we have here? This is from Aaron Shuffleoff. I'm sorry, Aaron, I can't pronounce your last name. He says, when people call and complain who are LDS that you get too riled up with people and sometimes you're a little bit testy or rude, read this passage from them, to them. It says, and you have murmured because he has been plain unto you. You say that he has used sharpness. You say that he has been angry with you. But behold, his sharpness was the sharpness of the power of the word of God, which was in him. And that which you call anger was the truth according to that which is in God, which he could not restrain, manifesting boldly concerning your iniquities. Where does that come from? The Book of Mormon. Second Nephi 126. Uh, and just to clarify everything, we have to remember that Joseph Smith, when he compiled the Book of Mormon, he made it a Christian book. He used the Bible as its, uh, as its uh, basis, and he constructed his book using the themes of the Bible. This is an introductory drug to Mormonism. They use the Book of Mormon, someone reads it, they read Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They read that he visited the Americas in a fictional setting. They read about all this stuff and they say, wow, this book must be true because so much of it comes from the Bible. I mean, uh, at least 20%, 10% maybe, 10% is taken directly verbatim from the King James Bible. So you read that and you get this idea, wow, it's really good. But then, once you've taken that introductory drug, you don't stick with the Book of Mormon Uh, The book of marijuana, you don't stick with that. You move on and you start doing a little cocaine called the Doctrine and Covenants. You start doing a little mainlining called the Pearl of Great Price. And before you know it, you're selling your soul in a temple like the prostitutes at Corinth. So, uh, so, sorry, they don't do that. But, I mean, it's like, it's an analogy. It's, you cannot, you cannot mess with Christianity. You can't. And it's in the book called the Bible. And Joseph messed with it tremendously. Uh, one, two, or three? Going to one? are. Oh, you're on the air.
3: Oh, Hold on, Sean.
0: We only have one minute left. Want me to put him on hold? You, you can take him. You're on the air. Hello, Sean. This is Jabbar. You're on the air, Jabbar.
3: Uh, well, actually, sorry.
0: You ready? Are you hanging up? Jabbar is gone. Mormon Voices, uh, run by Scott Gordon, who we have invited on this show repeatedly. In fact, we told Scott Gordon of Mormon Voices he could have the full hour to explain to the audience all the things that are misunderstood about Mormonism. Scott Gordon will not come on this show. I won't even be on the soundstage. We've said you can have the full hour, and the following week I'll come back and refute everything he has said. Well, Scott Gordon has come out with a list of the worst uh, things that people in 2011 have said against Mormonism. I'm going to tell you something. And he lists all, all, uh, uh, all uh, ten statements uh, said by Trisha Erickson and Warren Cole Smith and Robert Jeffries and Harold Bloom and Michael Ruse. And he lists all these things. But I'm going to tell you something. They, the LDS, are proliferating. Uh, it's almost like I want to wave the right white flag and say I give up. Then I meet guys like Sean who go out to the street every day and preach, and I'm renewed in my spirit. But I read what they are doing in the public. I read what they say. I read what the, the spin that is going on, the broad acceptance they are gaining by virtue of this election. I'm not saying God is not behind this. I'm not saying He's not going to use things according to his will and purpose, but I am saying without equivocation, Mormonism is not Christian. Mormonism, the last thing Mormonism is, is Christian. Mormonism is deceptive. Mormonism uh, uses deception to bring people into their flock. Mormonism puts people in burdens. Mormonism uh, will say what it needs to say to be accepted in the current political situation. And the Christian church who embraces it, we're going to pay for it. Now, if God's, God's behind that, he's behind it. But I'm just telling you that's the story. Next week, we're going to come back. We're opening the Book of Mormon itself, and we're going to start showing you how it was put together. See you then.